<clears throat> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. <clears throat> Today is the first Sunday of Amshir. It's actually, it is, it is the fifth Sunday of Toba. So the, the month of Toba, we are at the end of the month of Toba. Today is the 29th of the month of Toba. Um, and the following uh, month is the month of Amshir. But because the readings of the second Sunday of Amshir are the same readings that we read today, and because we do not get to complete the entire month of uh, Amshir's readings because the great fast begins, so the church decided that whenever there's a fifth Sunday of Toba, we will consider it to be the first Sunday of Amshir, and so essentially all of the weeks are moved up by one week. So this is why, even though technically Today is the 29th of Toba, but we're considering it the first Sunday of Amshir, and we're reading the readings of the, the first Sunday of Amshir. Um, today in the Gospel reading, we read the story of what happens after the Lord Jesus Christ feeds the multitude. We read the story of the Lord feeding the multitude many times throughout the year, um, about how Christ multiplied the five loaves and the two fish in order to feed all of the people who were there. After this miracle happened, and the Lord Christ left that place and went to another place, the people came after him looking for him and trying to, to meet with him again. And the Lord, when he saw them, um, he rebuked them. And this is what he said in verse 26. He said, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He was saying, the reason you are coming to me, even though you are searching for me, even though you sought after me, even though you wanted to find me, but the reason you are coming to me is not because you wanted the spiritual food that I was offering. It's not because you want to hear my preaching. It's not because you want the kingdom of heaven. It's simply because you ate from the miracle that I did for you in feeding you, and you are coming now in order for me to feed you again because you see me as a source of blessing for you and, and your life. But instead of seeing me as a source of spiritual blessing, for the real reason that the Lord came was to save us from our sins and to bring us to heaven and to live with him, to have a relationship with him. The reason that they wanted to, to go to him was because he gave them free food. And so the Lord rebuked them and he said, you are not coming after me for the right reasons. And so this kind of highlights something that maybe many of us in Christianity, that we also kind of fall into this trap, is we become sometimes very obsessed with miracles and with signs and we consider that Christianity is about participating or observing or, or seeing, experiencing miracles and signs. And that unless we partake and we experience these miracles, then it's kind of like we really, you know, don't really feel like we are very engaged. You know, some people will read books that is just talking about the miracles of the saints and, and so on. But if, if this is the only thing that we do in our spiritual life, is, is simply to, to read about miracles and to be interested in miracles, then this is something that is, is lacking in us. This is not the, 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 the spiritual life that Christ called us to live. He did not ask us to simply, you know, become interested in, in seeing miracles and, and being fascinated with miracles. Because this is actually what these people did. They were fascinated with the miracles. They wanted to go after Christ because they saw that he was powerful. He could do miracles and signs. Sometimes when we see these miracles, yes, it can be um, motivating for us. It can remind us of God's presence, of God's love, of God's power. But there is a responsibility that each of us has beyond simply seeing miracles and feeling that God is, is mighty and working um, powerfully in the world. In the story of Lazarus and the rich man, when the Lord is speaking uh, this story, he, he speaks about how Abraham, after the, the rich man dies, the rich man who lived his life in a wicked way, 
the rich man dies and he is speaking with Abraham and Abraham tells him well the man is saying to him um, send somebody from the dead to go to my family and who are still alive so that they will believe because this rich man who lived a wicked life he is in Hades and he is suffering and he never believed while he was still alive and now he's regretting what he did and he's saying, I don't want my family to experience the same thing that I'm experiencing. I don't want them to come to Hades like I am. So please, Father Abraham, allow someone to be resurrected from the dead, someone to go to them um, while they are still alive, to give them the opportunity to change, to repent, to, to live a different life. And this is what he was, he, 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 he was told by Abraham. It was said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So... Even though we might imagine and think that if we witnessed mighty miracles and we see that miracles are happening around us, that this would be the motivation for us to live life in the right way, here what Abraham is saying and what the Lord Christ is saying is this is not the case. Even if we witness great miracles, even if we witness, there are many things in the world that is unexplained from, from, a, from, like from, a, from a secular perspective, when they look at it. The things that we as Christians believe in, the things that we are saying, they don't necessarily find any real explanation for it, and yet it's dismissed. It's not really considered. It's just considered that there's some explanation. We, maybe we don't know what it is, or maybe people have an idea of what they think it is. But it doesn't necessarily convict someone to, to live a life of sacrifice, to live a life of worship to God and to believe in Him. And so here Abraham is saying, you have Moses and the prophets. You have the, the scripture. You have the writings. Read it. Do you believe that this is true or not? This is a, the basis on which whether a person believes is based on the word of God. Do you believe that this is true? So signs are not enough. It is not enough for someone to simply observe signs and miracles and through this to believe. It is not enough for us as Christians and it is not enough for the rest of the world. What are some ways then that we should be expressing our faith beyond simply desiring to see miracles and to, 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 be, to enjoy the presence of miracles and supernatural events? The first thing that we should manifest in our lives as a sign of our faith to God beyond just kind of a superficial idea of, of our faith, of our belief, is submission, to submit to the will of God. This is um, a sign that we are following God that we are willing to, to change our life for the sake of God. It is not simply a, uh, something that we believe in our minds. It is not something simply that we preach with our words. It is not simply that we, just, we go to a church because that's the church that we're in. It is not just being part of a community that is a community that are believers. It is not just being part of a family which is a family of believers. It is not just a corporate act or a group act. It is an individual act. Each of us as individuals are called to live a certain way, which is an expression of faith that we are expressing to God because of our own personal individual faith, our individual beliefs. In Romans 10.3, it says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Those who have faith in Christ are willing to submit their will to God. Submitting our will means that the things that we desire, if they are contrary to God's will, we abandon them. The things that we want to do, if they are contrary to what God wants us to do, we do not pursue them. 
we change, we submit our will. Whatever it is that I want is not as important as the thing that God wants. Whatever the thing God desires of me is the things that I desire for myself, even if I have a desire for other things, even if I want to do other things. But when I see that this is not God's will for me, then I submit my will to God and do not continue to pursue or to push the things that I thought, of my, thought that was best for myself. So those people who truly have faith are willing to submit even if they don't understand. And this is the maybe the big point. If all of us understand our future, if we understand the directions that our lives are going, if we understand what it is that we are being called for, and if we have a full picture and understanding of it, well, then yeah, maybe we are convinced. And if we're convinced, then it's easy to follow because it becomes our own will. It becomes our own understanding. It becomes kind of a logical, rational, reasonable kind of um, endeavor, something that we are doing in our life with full understanding. But if you look in the scripture, what God asks people to do is beyond understanding. And he doesn't even try to explain what is it that, that he is asking them to do. Why is it, Abraham, is God asking you to sacrifice your son? You know, why is that? Do you have a reason? Do you have an understanding? When suddenly God tells Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to take him to a certain place and I want you to slaughter him. Does that make any sense? And yet we don't even hear from Abraham any questioning. We don't hear him asking, well, can you explain to me why you're asking me to do this before I go and I do this thing, which is just completely irrational and logical, doesn't make any sense to me. Can you please tell me why? We don't even hear Abraham asking this question because he completely submitted his will to God. There was, he knew that whatever it is God asked him to do was by definition the right thing to be done even if he doesn't know why it should be done. And so he submitted. So Abraham was not looking for, you know, just from like, like to believe in kind of a, in a distant, far away kind of, uh, you know, like, like, like to, to worship God from a distance. He was worshiping God very personally. He was saying, I'm going to take my own son and I'm going to sacrifice him because this is what God has called me for. Of course, we know at the end that God did not allow him to follow through with this. And it re revealed to us uh, a, a beautiful symbol of, um, the incarnation and the crucifixion of Christ and and there, there, there was like a deep spiritual meaning behind it Of course Abraham did not understand that at the time and it only became clear much much later on So for us to see an example of Abraham he truly submitted his will to God and this was a sign of his faith A second sign of our faith is that we should have a true desire for holiness faithful person desires the things of God and and hates the things that God hates in Proverbs 6, it says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. God is telling us, and anyone who reads the scripture will, will know what is it that God hates and what is it that God wants. The question then for us is, do we desire the same? Do we desire to live according to the moral standard that God has set and saying God is the one who determines what is right and wrong? It is not I who determine it. It is not society that determines it. God is the one who determines what is right and wrong and I live according to what God has said even if it is rejected by the world. Even if I am rejected by the world, it is an individual faith that I personally have a desire to be holy. Again, it is not just a corporate thing. It is not just a group. It is not just the church as a whole. It is me individually, because the church is composed of each of us as individuals. Do I desire 
to live a life according to the standard of God or not. And again, this requires sacrifices. This re requires changes. Maybe I have to change my hobbies. Maybe I have to change the things that I watch. Maybe I have to change the relationships that I have. Maybe I have to change my job. Maybe I have to, to, to make radical, real, impactful changes to the way that I live my life on a regular basis in order to conform myself to the standard that God is asking me to live. This is, again, a sign of our faith. This is an expression of what it is that we believe, right? The, those people who were going after Christ, they weren't going after him because they wanted holiness. They weren't going after him because they wanted to submit their will. They wanted only what he could give to them, right? Which is a very superficial faith. Here we are asking, what is the true faith? The true faith that God wants us to live, what is the depth of that faith? A desire for holiness. He wants us to be holy, and he wants us to desire it, that we work toward it, that we fight toward it. And when we fall, we confess our sins. When we come with a, with a spirit of mourning, of repentance, saying, God, I have fallen short of the standard you have called me for, and I want you to help pick me up again and to help me to keep going. And this is a sacrifice that we make. Again, this is an expression of faith. It is not just about miracles. It's not just about wonders and signs. This is the daily walk of faith that we are called to walk on a regular basis. In Ezekiel 18.30, it says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of, every, every, of Israel, every one according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, so that iniquity will not be your ruin. So not just that we set the standard that we are called to live for according to God's commandment, but that we, are, we ourselves live it. We are faithful and we are living it. And as I said, that we confess our sins. The fourth, willingness to sacrifice. In Jonah chapter 2, it says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. A faithful person wants to give of themselves to the Lord. A faithful person wants to give. You know, King David, when he was wanting to purchase um, the, the, the land and the property on, on which he was going to make a sacrifice to God, the person who owned it, he wanted to give it to King David for free. He said, no, you are, you are, you know, you are the one anointed the king. I will going to give it to you for free in order for you to sacrifice. And King David's response was, I cannot sacrifice to God with that which costs me nothing. I cannot sacrifice to God with that that costs me nothing. Meaning it is not okay for someone just to give me the sacrifice and then for me to sacrifice it because that costs me nothing. That's not the purpose of the sacrifice. The sacrifice is to give up something is to feel the pain of giving up something this it means this is a sign of love it is an act of love when we give of a limited resource that we have to someone else this is an act of love i choose to give it to you i want you to have it more than i want to keep it myself this is why we see the love of god manifested in all it is that he gave for us and that he gave his own life for us that he suffered for us this is how we see the love of god for us it is not just that God gives us out of his infinite resources. It is that he suffers. It is that he sacrificed himself for our sake, that we see the fullness of his love. So also for us to, to give back to the Lord, to, to show love to him in response to the love that he's shown us, it has to be in some kind of sacrifice. Even when we stand up and pray, we say we call this a sacrifice of praise. 
Why? Because we are, we are sacrificing of our time. When we come to church, it is a sacrifice. There's other things we could be doing. When we read the word of God, it is a sacrifice. When we serve one another, the Lord said that whenever we serve the least of our brethren, then we are serving him. Again, this is a sacrifice. We give up something of ours to give to someone else. So a person who is faithful has a willingness to sacrifice, has a willingness to give up. When we fast, we are sacrificing. We are saying, I want to submit my will. I want to learn self-control in order for me to follow God's commandments. Again, as a response of love to God, so I will sacrifice food. Right? I will sacrifice my time. I will sacrifice my money when I give my tithe. I will sacrifice my money to God. These are signs of truly that we have faith and we believe in God whom we worship. Another uh, sign of faith is that we are willing to suffer. Right? We are willing to suffer for Christ. In Romans 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So a person is willing to to suffer for Christ. If we look at the um, if we look at the life of the martyrs, right? Why is it that their life is such a powerful testament of their faith? Is because they were willing to give up not just their things, not just their um, you know not, not not just their time, not just their money. They were willing to give up everything. They were willing to give up their very lives, and they were willing to experience sufferings for Christ. They were not trying to find the easy road or looking for how is it only that God is going to bless them and give them good things and give them money and give them home and give them family and give them... No, actually it was the opposite. They looked at all the blessings that God gave them and they looked at how is it that I can take these blessings God has given me and I give it back to God again and that I will experience suffering in the world. If I experience suffering in the world, this does not cause me to run away. It does not cause me to reject God. Actually, it causes me to be confirmed in my faith that I'm willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. If I suffer at the hands of others, then I'm willing to accept it for the sake of Christ. This is not something that, that brings me hatred toward people. This is actually something that brings me joy. This is a part of my service to God. This is a part of my expression of love to God. Again, I'm willing to do the, the, the I'm willing to worship God even in the midst of suffering because this is what Christ um, did for us. Another type of suffering that we experience is a suffering to control the flesh. We, uh, in our corruption, and each of us has weaknesses, each of us has sinful desires, each of us has sins that are maybe beloved sins that we go to um, to deal with stress and to, 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 you know, that we desire. And these things actually, in order for us to have self-discipline, in order to control ourselves, this is a type of suffering. Subduing the flesh it's a type of suffering that we are constantly trying to control ourselves. We're trying to always remain in control and have self-control. Going to repent of our sins every time that we fall. This is a type of suffering. We are fighting a war between the flesh and the spirit. And when we do not allow this, the, our flesh to overcome us, when we continue to fight this war, this is a kind of suffering for Christ. And God will reward us for this suffering. He wants us. This is a willingness for us out of our love for God that we want to be in control our flesh. We do not want any sin to be an obstacle between us and God. The final point I want to mention is an expression of faith is a willingness to serve. In Matthew chapter 20, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. A faithful person does not look for what they can receive from other people, but is looking how they can serve other people. What is my role? 
in my family? What is my role? How is it that I can give to others? In the church, what is my role? How is it that I can give to others? In my workplace, how is it that I can glorify God? How is it that I can serve others? My focus should always be how can I give of myself to other people? How can I serve others and not just what other people can do for me? All of these are examples of what does it mean for each of us to have an individual personal faith, and each of these are decisions that we have to make ourselves. They are not things that are done to us. They are decisions that we make, a proactive choice that we make, and how is it that I choose to live my life on a regular basis. They make th There is this distinction between someone who truly lives a life of faith versus someone who maybe is just a part of a community that is a faithful community, but they themselves don't really have any specific role in that community. They themselves as individuals maybe don't necessarily live any of these things explicitly in their life, but they are just kind of going with the flow. And we have to ask ourselves this question, because this is an important question for us to understand about ourselves. Am I choosing to live a life with Christ as an individual in my home, or is it just I am part of a community of faith? There is a big difference between these two things. We are ov obviously blessed that we are have the church and that the church is the body of Christ and that through this body of Christ we have salvation. But again, each of us as individual members are the body. Each of us as individual members are, are members of this body and we ask ourselves, how is it that we live? Do I choose to live in my own individual personal life according to all the precepts of faith that we have mentioned? Or is this something that is really for somebody else? It's for the monks and the priests and the servants and others that, you know, are maybe chosen to live such a life. But for me, I, I'm, I'm living primarily in the world. I'm living a life that is more looking like the life of the world rather than the life of faith. Again, these people who sought after Christ, even though from the outside it looked like they were seeking him, and maybe someone who didn't know the whole story, when they watched them, they would say, oh, look at this group of people who was seeking after Christ. But Christ, knowing them, he said, he rebuked them. He says, you're not coming after me because you want my blessing. You're not coming after me because I have the words of eternal life. You are coming to me simply because you are hungry and I fed you and you want me to feed you again. Your purpose, your motivation is wrong. So in conclusion, this, this faithful person, he does not seek Christ simply because he wants miracles. He seeks Christ because of, of a response of love that we have received from God that we want to give back to God again. And so this is an important message for all of us. And may God grant us always to have faith and to believe and to, to live out that faith in the right way on a daily basis. And glory be to God forever. Amen.